we were just talking about a historical moment in American history uh, with respect to the space program changing over the weekend. So, you know, we have those two astronauts, Bob and Doug. Who knew they were Bob and Doug until Mission Control started saying, hey, Bob, Doug, uh, we were referring to them as Robert and Doug, uh, are now on and they're going to be there for three weeks on the International Space Station. So uh, they are there on the space station. And um, we also have history being made in, uh, in the States with the protests, with violence erupting. Uh, we haven't seen... Um, curfews like this going on since um, the 60s when Martin Luther King was assassinated. There were so many cities that had curfews imposed over the weekend. We saw looting in Philadelphia in broad daylight. Police and protesters injured. The Minnesota governor has said that the attorney general will be be taking over the investigation into the case uh, against that cop who knelt on George Floyd's neck till he could no longer take any air in. Um, they are pretty tight-lipped. They're not talking about if there will be any other charges laid, but they are saying that they are going to make sure that justice is served for George Floyd. I know that uh, highways were shut down around Minnesota. The National Guard were firing tear gas into the crowd. We saw some interesting footage out of Los Angeles a weekend after um, looting happened when they should have been reopening. And every city seems to have a George Floyd. That's something that's super important here. It's not just about George Floyd. It's about countless people that have been lost. Um, I want to open up uh, the conversation to um, get some perspective on what's going on in New York City, a city that I absolutely love. It's one of my favorite cities on the planet, and I have been feeling for it um, over the past little while as it was the epicenter of covid In the States, Mimi Roca is a former New York prosecutor. She also is a Pace Laws Distinguished Fellow in Criminal Justice and a legal analyst for MSNBC and NBC News. She joins the show. Mimi, good to have you on. Thank you. Thanks so so much for having me to talk about this um, really important topic. Now, New York, we saw the situation turn violent this weekend it seems like with all the curfews that are being imposed and we have not seen um, people taking to the streets like this since uh, and curfews imposed because of it since the death of Martin Luther King. Do we feel like we're taking a step back in time here? Well, I mean, yes, this this has echoes of, you know, things from uh, protests and, and the way those were handled as far back as, you know, the 1960s. Um, but, you know, I, here's what, what I would like to, to add to the conversation, the thing that gives me hope um, in, in this situation, which is horrible. I mean, let's, let's start first with the fact that killing the murder of George Floyd was um, unjustified, horrific, um, and thank God it was caught on video so that, you know, we can start facing this problem head on. But what gives me hope is the fact that for the first time in as far back as I can remember, this is being called out and condemned by law enforcement, current and, and, and retired law enforcement, you know, are speaking out about this being wrong, saying that what these police officers did was wrong. Um, I know that sounds very basic, but that hasn't happened before in past killings of uh, unarmed people of color. And so I think this could be a turning point in that sense. I'm not saying all 
law enforcement. And we've seen horrific images, as, as you've said, of law enforcement reacting in a militaristic way to the protests. But the fact that, that we are seeing a growing number of law enforcement speak out about this, um, I think, could be the beginning of real change. How much of that has to do with the fact that it was videotaped? You know, I, I, I saw this meme that was being passed around. Racism hasn't increased in the states. We're just starting to film it now. Well, absolutely. I mean, you know, as somebody who it was, but a celebrity said, you know, this the, these police killings, police brutality is not new, but the videotaping of them is. Um, and and that's that's absolutely right. And, you know, that's just, that's just a fact. And um, that's why I started by saying, thank God this was caught on mm-hmm. video. I mean, I think when you look at the reaction of the other police officers, um, it, you know, in, in this incident in particular, the other three who have not yet been charged, um, they, they don't seem shocked, right? Like this, the, their reaction, it's not just that the killings seemed sort of, you know, in broad daylight, knowing they were being videotaped. But nobody seems, other than the bystanders, the other police officers don't seem shocked, which really makes you wonder what what happens on a day-to-day basis. I'm not saying they go around killing people every day, all day, but this should have been shocking to them. And the fact that it's not means that the standard, the conduct of behavior on a day-to-day basis is, is not acceptable. It's just this happened to get caught. So um, thank God for that. And 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 let's hope that, you know, whatever the reason, if it's because it's on video, I am I am grateful for that. And I have been calling as someone who you know ha- was a federal prosecutor for over 16 years, worked with law enforcement and now running for D.A. in my own county. We need to call on law enforcement to change from within. And how much of that relies on the unions not supporting people like this cop who, um, you know, killed George Floyd? He had 17 at the very least complaints against him. Yeah, I mean, the unions are going to need to uh, come to the table on this, is my opinion, you know, and that that's not going to be easy. Um, You know, I, I, I don't have illusions about that. But I think that, again, the fact that this um, this murder was caught on video in such a horrific, sadistic almost way in broad daylight is going to force even the unions to come to the table to talk about this. And, and it's not just the unions, though, right? I mean, where were the, where, where were the prosecutors in, in this? Why, how could 17 complaints be allowed to pile up and he's still on the force? Um, you know, I, I'm not I mean, every co- complaints are are filed all the time. Some are some are credible complaints. Some are not. I'm not saying they all were. I have no idea sitting here. But we need that kind of system in place where they get outside independent evaluation and more transparency. Um, because by the time if we if we allow it to build up, if, if all of those were credible complaints or if even some of them were, and then we get to this point where where we don't find out about it until someone is dead. That's too late. So we need to be able to intervene in a fair way that's fair to police officers, but fair to the public as well earlier on. We cannot wait till it gets to this boiling point. So that's part of the systematic change I'm talking about. But again, 
I really believe that it needs to come from within. The, the reformers, the protesters need to speak out and, and, and help drive that. But I, I hope my message is to try to bring law enforcement along on this. If they would have uh, pressed the charges, uh, put charges against this officer a lot sooner, like when he the day he was fired, do you think we would have seen this uh, level of protest and this level of violence and this level of uh, Americans getting behind George Floyd? Um, uh, and or has this been simmering for a long time? Was this inevitable that there would have been another George Floyd very soon? that would have caused the unrest and the people that are now heading out to the streets to, to really advocate for change, advocate for change. Um, I think, you know, unfortunately in some ways it feels inevitable. I mean, I think one of the things that people of color are talking about that, that, that I follow and listen are saying, I'm so exhausted from one hashtag after another, right? Every time there's a killing, you know, there, there's a hashtag, people express outrage, and then nothing changes. So that's, that's the question. Is, is this, this, this feels the same and inevitable, but it also feels different. I don't think we've seen protests of this size, of this magnitude, of this passion before. And, and it is people of all different races and socioeconomic backgrounds, you know, who are protesting. It's happening where I live, it's happening in Yonkers, a, a big city, an urban area, but it's also happening tonight in Bronxville, which is a very kind of uh, more suburban uh, area. You know, it's happening everywhere. I'm participating tonight in a rally called On the Right Side of Justice, which is law enforcement, law enforcement organizing um, a rally. So um, I think that it is, it is different this time in that sense, I hope. Um, and we need the inevitability that you're talking about to come out of it, right? That, that's what we have to try and stop. And so I think, again, what's different is the, the scope of the response, the passion of the response, the diversity of the response. It's coming from all different angles, and again, including from some, some in law enforcement. Yeah, people, the everyday average American that's getting out and supporting um, you know, the idea that this is, it's think something has to change here. Something has to give, this is the time they're literally putting their lives at risk. Not only, uh, if things turn violent and you know, uh, that they could be in the middle of something, but they're also going out in the midst of a, a pandemic. How concerned uh, are you that, uh, this, you know, New York city has been the epicenter of COVID-19, uh, for months here. You're trying to get a handle on it. How concerned are you that we're going to see another explosion in, in your city? I mean, look, I, I, I qualify everything I say. I'm not obviously a medical professional in any way. Um, but, you know, I think just as a, as a even casual observer and a follower of the news, it, it is concerning. Um, I think, you know, it sort of speaks to the, the passion of the people doing this, right? The same way that people put their lives on the line all the time because, at the end of the day, they're passionate about their cause. I think there's some of that going on. It's just, I, you know, if we get sick, we get sick. I, 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 I hope that we can do these rallies in a way that, you know, I was at one on Friday. I'll be at one tonight. I mean, I'm, I'm you know, going to wear a mask. I, I've seen pictures of people not wearing masks. I really, really 
hope that they keep masks on and keep social distancing because it is it is scary and we need people we need people not sick we need people in the fight so they've got to think long term and hopefully you know there are ways to do this outside social distance with masks on being as careful as possible but it doesn't help if the police are treating it in a violent way which in new york city you know we've seen some of that that obviously you know pushes people into chaotic situations where they're less likely to be social distanced. So what can lawmakers do to quell this anger that turns into violence? Well, lawmakers, you know, at the state and federal level do have a role to play in this. I mean, first of all, you know, we've seen just utter um, irresponsible behavior from the Department of Justice. Bill Barr has disbanded a lot of the um, oversight that was put in place by the Department of Justice of police departments. We have consent decree ability to oversee police departments at the federal level when there is um, certain standards met. And Bill Barr has really dismantled that. Um, so that is an example of how hopefully if we have, um, in my view, a, a change in administration, you know, the federal government can really wield um, a, a big influence and, and power on, on changing police departments. Um, we also need to change, frankly, the federal civil rights statute right now. is um, it, it, It's good that it's there, but it is such a high burden to meet that it's almost impossible to charge. And we need to have the federal government not as the sole option, but as an option in cases where um, you know, there is uh, um, more clearly a racial element to it, as I would argue in this case, um, you, know, you know, where, where it is more deliberate seeming um, than in some other cases. So that is, that is an amendment that the federal legislators could work on. And then at the state level, there are several different pieces of state legislation that I think people should be looking at. Um, right now, it is um, sort of an executive, like the governor signed an order here in New York that um, the New York state attorney general can uh, take over cases of police killing of unarmed civilians, um, but they don't have to. And, um, you know, that's something that we may want to consider making a law and mandatory. As someone who's running for DA, I personally will be um, you know, very dedicated to bringing cases of police misconduct and police brutality, as I've been discussing. But I know that the fact is that not all district attorneys have that political courage. And so we may need to take that out of the hands of district attorneys and put it in, as we just saw happen in uh, Minnesota. The attorney general took over the case from the district attorney. And, um, you know, I, that that is for a reason. <laughs> because it did not seem like it was being handled in a fair and impartial way, quite frankly. We've watched, um, it, it's so saddening what's going on in the States right now, not only with COVID, but uh, with uh, the devastation that's happening, the pain that's, that's that, that, that our Americans are expressing. It, it doesn't surprise me, unfortunately, I have to say, because you know I've watched your, your president divide your country over the last four years. How do you see this playing out in the election? Absolutely. I mean, it, it, it's almost, you know, old news. So so I, I frankly forgot to even mention it. So I'm glad you did. But it, it is it is hard to imagine what this would be like if we had a real president. Right. Like 
I, I mean, I, it's almost – I'm not saying that this would have been avoided, right? Like, George like, – I'm not pinning George Floyd's murder on Donald Trump. But once that happened, how could the country have dealt with this in a more productive, coming together, moving forward moment with a real president who wanted to foster unity? I think that, that it could have been very different. But instead, we have a president who wants to foster division. It's to his political advantage. And he's doing that. And he's stoking the flames and making it worse. So I, you know, I keep I sort of read these articles about well, people are saying you know Trump should talk and he should address and he doesn't want to. The bottom line is I don't whether he wants to or not, whether he should or he shouldn't. We all know he couldn't. There was I mean that man could not. I'm sorry, but he could not stand up and say anything that would bring this country together right now because he doesn't know how. He doesn't have that ability, and that's that's you know I mean there's so many tragedies of this presidency, but that is one of them, and. Um, you know, that's going to hurt us between now and November because this is all happening now. But I, I just truly, truly hope for the sake of our country that and for the world, frankly, that we have a change in the presidency and whatever people's policy, you know, um, uh, d- differences are that we have leader, a leader or leaders, a president and a vice president who can work on bringing people together. Doesn't mean people are going to agree on everything, but they can have a common purpose. They can have shared goals. They can try to work together. And we've been missing that this whole presidency. Mimi, I want to thank you for your time and uh, wish you uh, another uh, safe evening. As I know, there are going to be more demonstrations. You'll be involved in some of them tonight. And just stay safe. So many various, uh, you know, dimensions to staying safe right now in New York City. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. I'm I'm glad that people around the the world are are caring about this. We are watching and we are definitely uh, keeping everybody in our thoughts. We do. We, we love the United States of America and really wish for the best. Thank you so much, Mimi. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. That's, that's Mimi Roca, former New York prosecutor, and uh, she's a distinguished fellow in criminal justice and a legal analyst for MSNBC has aspirations to be the DA. So uh, quite an interesting conversation with her about what's going on stateside.